Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. I am sitting here today by myself, but on the other side of the screen is Daniel Brown. Daniel is a former co-worker of mine, I guess. We worked at the same big company for a while, but we shared uh, a, a, a friend, a good friend, uh, Jim Hunger, who uh, you know, I miss very much. He's no longer with, with us, but Daniel, you and I have gone out and seen some live music around the Seattle area with Mr. Hunger uh, kind of leading the, uh, he was the ringleader of those type of events. Always, always introduced me to some really cool music and you're a music fan. But that's not why we're here today. Daniel, you are doing something that I don't know much about, but I saw it. It was really kind of cool. It's got to do with skateboarding. So why don't you introduce yourself and let's talk skateboarding and what you're doing with it. Alrighty. Yeah. And we did see some, some great music together and somebody should pick back up that invite list. Um, Absolutely. Off during the lockdown, but it's time to revive it. Um, when, well, let me interrupt you then. I'm going to interrupt you. What was, what's the, have you been to any good shows lately? Um, let's see. Uh, Bumbershoot with its return, even though it was only two days. Uh-huh. Um, Bom- Bomba Stereo was great. Uh, saw another great local band, or excuse me, another great uh, indie band called uh, War Paint, and another, um, and then Slater Candy came back. Uh, they have a new okay. album out now, and so it was really pretty cool to introduce my teenage daughter to that as well. She just basically went off and saw a bunch of bands, um, okay. and we did too. That's cool. The last great show I've seen was uh, uh, Christy McWilson and as the Pickets and Dave Alvin was the special guest who showed up and played like four or five songs with him. And it was at Slim's Last Chance. Oh, and man, I'm jealous. That place was on fire. It was the, the most energy. Uh, I, got to, I got to sit down and talk to Dave for a while. Um, before the show got he autographed a book of, that he wrote for me and um to see dave alvin back up on stage was just like the and and with christy mcwilson's you know it, there's just so much energy between the two of them it was it was great oh, yeah. slims was overcrowded it was supposed to be an outdoor show but it started raining that day and so it was like we were all shoved into the little you know into, into slims last chance and it was the place was on fire so we at music and you're right. Or that invite list should be resurrected. I, I, I love that. Count me in next time. There's good music. We'll come over for it. Now, what got you going on the skateboard thing? Talk to us about this a little bit. All right. Um, so four years old, <laughs> we're going way back. Here. <laughs> we're going back Four years old. Uh, go to my friend Travis's house. He has a skateboard that's down in, uh, in or near Olympia. Um, and hop on it, immediately fall down and skin my hip and, uh, cry and do all that caterwauling and then come back the next day. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta tame this thing. I'm like four years old. It was the first thing I really, truly remember, um, 
And the joke is that I've been doing this almost as long as I've been breathing, walking or running. Um, But it was that moment where, okay, this is something I want to do, but I immediately failed at it. Um, So started there. um, And it's, that's kind of followed me throughout life, uh, picking up complex things that uh, I want to fail at so that I can learn about them. Um, I still have my original skateboard, by the way. Uh, do you really? Do you, do you ever ride it? I, it's rideable. I can. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, right. I'm a little over the weight limit probably it was designed for. A little plastic <laughs> double kick 1976, I think, freeformer board. Um, okay. And it still sits in my garage along with a bunch of other other things that I've accumulated <laughs> through the years. But if you're speaking specifically about the um, about the skateboards for all, that was sitting on a sitting on the couch during a summer day during lockdown, and I'm like, hmm, should I read a book or should I start a charity? And I decided the latter on that particular day. <laughs> That's quite the quite the the debate. Read a book. <laughs> Charity. Okay. All right. So skateboards for all besides being locked down, besides being a summer day and besides you, you didn't have a book that caught your attention. What is the, what's the motivation? What was the, the, the spark that got you going with this? Why skateboards? And yeah, why is, why are skateboards the vehicle for this? Um, so there are plenty of books that caught my attention, including ones about skateboarding, by the way. But the um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, the impetus for it really was uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Troy Nebecker who uh, I met through the stand-up paddleboarding community who ran for years a um, – he's a graphic designer and ran for years a charity called um, Monster in Sea. And what he would do is pass the hat, gather up money. Um, His wife had had cancer and come out of it. And he was inspired to pass the hat and give people whatever money he could get. No questions asked. Here's an envelope. I know you're fighting a battle. Here's something to do. So that was the the genesis of it. And it had been kind of bouncing around in my head for a while. Um, then there's a gentleman named Craig Hanaumi, who's a Hawaiian, uh, who is a cop in Bellevue, who uses skateboards as a way of outreach. Um, and he skateboards with the kids and does all that stuff. And so between the two of them, I called him on that very summer day and said, hey, what do you guys think about this? Um, and the reason it's skateboarding and not something else, um, there's certainly many hobbies and things like that that I could use to um to to provide people that -hmm. need them but skateboarding is a one of those activities that it's artistic expression it doesn't require coaches um it's also a literal vehicle um not just a vehicle for those things um Mm -hmm. so people can use it to get around um but there's a lot of kids that can't afford them um, and then the other person I should give credit to is a gentleman by the name of Rodney Rodriguez, who uh, has the same thing going 
at a much larger scale in uh, my birth town of uh, Fresno, California. And he's given out some 3,000 boards to kids in need. And uh, so I asked him, hey, could I start a a chapter up here? He's 5013C. He's like, not really. So I was like, okay, what do you suggest? And so all three of the people I just mentioned suggested, just be a good Samaritan. Just see what you can get for cash. Um, see what mm-hmm. we can get for older donations. They gave me advice. And so we started out with getting used donated gear from people who wanted to walk in their 70s, um, unlike me, uh, if I'm still on board, right? Um, and <laughs> we, we started there. A couple of local shops uh, kicked in and still do kick in discounts or notified me when they have equipment uh, that I can pick up and then I just act as a vehicle to distribute it. So in effect, I get to live my teenage dream of having a bunch of skateboard gear in the house and then I give it away. <laughs> That's really kind of a cool story. Um, uh, I too fell off a skateboard, never got back on. They terrify me. man. I do not have the balance. I, I think they're cool. I think a lot of things are cool. Like motorcycles are cool. Once again, they're not for Scott, but you're doing this. So what is the, what's the criteria? What, what you're giving these away who, and you're targeting kids, but how, how are you selecting them and how do they, how do you do outreach and how do they find you? And, and what's the criteria for you to help them out with the board or with some gear? The criteria right now is pretty much local. So local to the Seattle area. I started out, uh, you know, the the title of it is Skateboards for All because that's the goal, uh, right? But mm-hmm. what I found is that I was spending a lot of money shipping boards to Columbus, Ohio and things like that. So I decided to focus locally um, okay. and worked with uh, youth care here at the Orion Center down by uh, REI here in Seattle. Um, a guy who I didn't know I had a connection with, uh, who's a longtime skateboarder as well, Eugene Quab Copeland, who's now working, I think, for the city of Seattle or the county. But he and I connected, and he was like, oh, yeah, we can always use boards. Um, and so that gave me my channel to, to get to people. And that happened okay. because I was in happenstance. I was buying gear for my daughter for Christmas up at 35th North on Capitol Hill. And he's like, hey, we do stuff with these guys. They'd probably be interested in that. And so it's just been connection after connection. Some people I've known and hadn't seen for years. But that's mm-hmm. really um, how it is, is that it's um, youth care. And there's a company called Kind Kids in Need of Defense um, mm-hmm. and Jenna. Um, is the name of a woman there that uh, reached out because she saw Instagram posts and the site and said, hey, can you help us out? And uh, and so we were able to help her out as well. Okay. And their clients. To this, to this point, how many boards have you uh, been able to give away? Probably in the neighborhood of about 170. Wow. Okay. I haven't counted. Okay. I haven't been keeping a strict count the last couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. Just get what I can and give it out. But somewhere in the neighborhood of about 170 boards. Okay. Since and how long? 20, 21. 
2021. So in the last three years, so about, let's say 50 to 60 boards a, a year. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you aspire to? What's for this? If this were firing on all cylinders for you in the sense, I'm not saying it's not, but like if you, what's the vision, what's the grand vision for you? So the grand vision before I jump into that, it isn't firing all cylinders. This, uh, this past year, a lot of economic uncertainty, a lot of stuff was the lowest years for donations, uh, financial donations. Um, I appreciated Mm -hmm. those that I got, but they were much fewer and further between despite doing the same advertising marketing of it. So a lot of this came Mm -hmm. out of pocket, but, um, the grand vision would be that we have a, a method of influx of, of cash um, in order to purchase uh, purchase the gear and get it out to the kids in the in the um, in the world of Fresno Skateboard Salvage, which is Rodney's gig. Um, he works as a trucker and visits prisons, drops off boards, they paint them, they auction them, and then they use that money. So he has that. Oh, that's that that vehicle that's not necessarily what I'd be able to do because I'm not out on the road that often, but right, right. Firing, firing on all cylinders. I'd love to, um, to have more money coming in on a regular basis so that this would just be self-sustaining and not cyclical right now. It's pretty much Christmas and in springtime we get some boards out to people and anytime people can ask for gear, you know, it's not just completes, it's, decks, bearings, trucks, like you tell us what you need and we'll try to get it. And sometimes just go out to skate park and if we have gear, we just hand it out to the people that are there and tend to visit places um, where there's more financial instability. Mm-hmm. Do you have Do you have the ability to help with like maintenance of a board? In other words, can you do you sit down and help a kid learn how to maintain their board if they don't know? Or, you know, like you said, there's, you know, trucks and wheels and things like that. So, I mean, is there some, an an educational component to the, to the board itself that you guys can help with? Yeah, there's not, um, that's not that heavy right now because I'm an army of one. Um, but, uh, that is a goal to have, uh, you know, and we've done it a couple of times where we'd go out to, um, community events and things like that and set up shop and talk to kids about boards and explain how to maintain them and, uh, and what the parts are and let people mm-hmm. ride them and things like that. Okay. There's a ton of stuff out there that's, uh, that's available online um, with regard to that. But a lot of times it really helps to, to do hands-on type yeah. activity. You can, I can watch YouTube all day and I still don't understand what they're trying to tell me to do. So, but you, but you sit down with me and you go, Hey, this is, Oh, now somehow the, the, now I make the connection, but that's, that's really cool. I, you know, I like the idea that the Fresno guy of doing, um, uh, partnering with, with, with inmates to, to do art and then auctioning it off as a, as a fundraiser, uh, I got some ideas I'll share with you when we're not recording because I don't want to say something and then have it blow back on me in a bad way. And if it works out, then you can take all the credit. So um, if you were firing on all cylinders, the way you envision this, 
would you just stay local or would you begin to ship boards? Would you, would you expand out a little bit or is it, do you feel like this, this project, this idea is just better served in the local Puget Sound area? I think, you know, the big hairy audacious goal is, uh, you know, I didn't name it skateboards for all for no reason. You know, if you think about okay. like Jeff Bezos naming, you know, buying relentless.com, um, I'm not comparing myself to him at any rate, right. <laughs> but, um, right. but I, w- I would love to um, be able to warehouse and work with suppliers um, that could, where we could warehouse this stuff and ship it out to anybody who needed it. And obviously mm-hmm. we'd have to have a tighter control on who gets what and how to vet that out the need. Um, but, but folks like skates, like a girl or, um, or, or those type of organizations have started out in the same way, start out local, build it up, um, and then get to a space where they're educating folks, providing gear, providing contacts, all those, all those things. So firing on all cylinders, I'd love to have it all encompassing, just Mm -hmm. not there right now. Okay. So right now, Christmas and spring, kind of the big, big seasons for you. So as we're recording this, it's, it's not Christmas and it's certainly not spring here in Wenatchee. It's got snow on the ground. What, um, what are you doing right now to kind of gear up for, for the spring and how do you go about your fundraising and, and how can we help like spread the word for you? What's tell us, tell us more. Well, doing this is helping spread the word. Um, it's been a long time since I've been on a guest, I've been a, a guest on a podcast to talk about what I'm doing. Um, that's always helped. Uh, the fundraising is generally out to the public, posting it on, you know, primarily Instagram, directing people to a site. There's Venmo and PayPal that they can donate um, mm-hmm. or arrange gear to be sent to me. Um, we've done that in the past before where we accepted gear from people as far away as uh, Rochester, New York, oh, and wow. Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Um, okay. So those, those avenues are always available, always present. Um, and then through my work at, uh, I work at a coffee giant Starbucks and, um, uh, we've had a lot of folks, I'll put out the word to the folks in that space and generally some donations come from there as well. That's cool. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pause you. I always ask this question later on in the episode, but I'm going to ask you earlier. All right. You're in the Seattle area. Where's a great, I'm going to drive over. I'm going to paint the scenario. I'm going to drive over from Wenatchee. I, and you know, I love coffee. So where's a great place that I should go for coffee? Let me answer that question with a question. What kind of coffee experience are you looking for? I am a black coffee or a pour over guy. I'm not, I don't want my coffee with oat milk. I don't, I, you know, I, I like, I, you know, shots of espresso are good. I, I'm just a very simple, old school coffee drinker. Alrighty. So first one's going to be a little surprising and I have a story to go with that. Tutabella on stone way has a manual, a manual espresso maker. You serve as the piston. I've tipped twice to three times as much my shots of espresso 
because the people know how to use it. And I had to tell them that too, uh, mm-hmm. because it's an art and not too mm-hmm. many people know how to do it. And I've had plenty of bad shots. Um, so that's kind of an unusual thing, not for the ambiance, but if you just want to go have that experience, um, okay. you're going to go the full kind of pour over route. There's a lot of places that do it. You know, this, the, the roastery and the reserve stores on Capitol Hill and at the, at the SSC, there's plenty of Starbucks partners that, um, make incredible cups of coffee in those ways. Uh, let's see locally, good cup of black coffee, uh, right here and not too far in my neighborhood. There's a couple of places that have shut down over time. Uh, cafe Ventu was a great place to go. Um, they roasted on site. They shut down a while ago, but, uh, there's a place called revolutions over, in the Green Lake Roosevelt area that also does a great pour over um, and they know their okay. coffee. And I don't know where he's at, but right across the street from the Angry Beaver, Seattle's original hockey bar um, was a place called Neptune that blew up because of a gas explosion. But uh, the gentleman there, uh, Balthazar, <laughs> you can find him under the Neptune coffee on Instagram. Uh, he he really knows his coffee. He once, uh, I ordered something and he said, Hey, no, 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 no. Uh, you can't, I'm not going to serve you that because I got to serve you this. And it was a coffee that oh. was effervescent and had an essence of mint. And I will spend my life chasing down what that George Howell estates coffee was because I want to okay. experience that again. And I haven't right. been able to find it. <laughs> So I got a couple of questions that I, actually I'm going to tell you, I'll share a Starbucks reserve story with you. So Jim hunger says, we got to go. I got to take you. I'm going to go to the roastery. We go down there. And I think I, I think by the time I left that day, I spent like 300 bucks. Uh, you know, Starbucks is very good. Starbucks, com- the, 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 the experience is like the, best and worst of Vegas and Disney at the same time. You know, there's no clocks in there. You can spend a lot of money. I mean, they've, they've dialed it in. It's brilliant. But the, the most magical thing I had, we, we did a couple of siphon presses. Those are cool. I ended up buying a siphon press. You know, that's a cool, cool visual way to make coffee. Like that's a cool thing. But I had their whiskey aged Guatemalan um, cold iced and they served yeah. it like in a glass, like from an old fat, an old fashioned glass with one single ice cube. And I think that may be the single most delicious thing I've ever had in my life, whether it's coffee or anything. It was, it was amazing. And, and, and Jim was just kind of cackling cause he knew, he knew I would like it. And, uh, I ended up buying some coffee for, 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 to take and I gave him I gave him a bag of it and I gave his mom a bag of it you know because I really appreciated it and I brought it home and no matter what I could do I could not duplicate that it was it was not good at home but it was amazing there and yeah, that's that's like a tourist experience that if you go to Seattle or to Chicago I don't want to go to the one in Chicago that's where I want to go I want to see it in Chicago we should do another one of these on coffees because I got to go to oh. all of them over the course of the oh. last year. Yeah, that's um, unfortunate as, for you. For work. <laughs> yeah, it was I really know. terrible. And Hacienda well, st- in Costa Rica. Oh, my gosh. All right. So 
what's your go-to coffee drink when you go out for coffee? What do you like? Uh, my go-to is either, um, like, in the winter, it tends to be, uh, like, a double tall, either a double tall mocha with a pump, single pump of chocolate or okay. a uh, double short cappuccino. And for the rest of the year, um, that's when I go out. Other than that, it's going to be, like, uh, clover, shots of espresso, um, those the cappuccino and the the mocha are kind of standards throughout my career, but the shot of espresso or clover is probably more my go-to for the majority of the year. Mm -hmm. I'm still one of those hot coffee drinkers too. So I'll drink them both, but I just like my coffee warm. So what we're going to put you on the spot about Starbucks. What's your favorite Starbucks coffee? Hmm. First favorite, well, I got a story, so we're delving okay. into coffee pretty pretty deep here. That's, but, that's all right. Uh, it's, that's, that's the essence of the show, to be honest. With you. We, skateboarding was just the, the trick to get you into talk. No, just kidding. Let's, we'll sweet. come back. Uh, my, the first coffee I ever thought tasted like something other than coffee, mostly because I smoked cigarettes at the time and drank coffee from Denny's. Um, the first <laughs> time I, uh, I remember tasting a coffee and going, wow, this is different, was Costa Rica Tres Rios, um, which we have in small batches now because it's a small farm. And when I got to go in the origin experience down to Costa Rica last year, I met the guy who'd been exporting it for 30 years, and it was just one of those mind-blowing aha moments. Like, you and I have been indirectly connected for years, and you're handing the business over to your daughter, and wow, it was just a, one of those cool moments. Um, right, right. In general, it's Sulawesi. When I hit my 25-year anniversary, um, a couple of our roasters, I asked them to roast it. And in their words, they said, we roast coffee for people we don't like enough. We'll roast some for you. It's like, does that mean okay. you like me? And they're like, uh, we don't want to go that far, but uh, it's Sulawesi. Um, Sulawesi. Celebes. Okay. okay. All right. All right. So what coffee pairs with skateboarding? Um, honestly, probably an iced Americano. Because <laughs> right. the last thing you want to do when you're, you know, sessioning somewhere, <laughs> be at a curb or ramp, um, hanging out with friends, more often than not, especially in Seattle, it's going to be warm. Um, the last thing you want to do is reach for a hot coffee. Um, yeah. on, the way to, on the way to the park curb, or downhill session, probably a shot of espresso. But once I get there, probably an iced Americano, just something I can slide real quickly, okay. or black coffee and a thermos. Black coffee and a thermos. All right. Okay, solid, solid. All right. I'm still intrigued, this skateboarding thing. I love the idea. To me, okay, I know, I don't, I don't skateboard. I've said that earlier. And I don't know. I mean, the only skateboarder I can think of is Tony Hawk, which, you know, is if I think every American knows the name Tony Hawk. Actually, that's not true. There's um, who's the actor that played My Name is Earl. Do you know who I'm talking oh, about? Jason Lee. He was a skateboarder before he be- he was a skateboarder yep. before he became a uh, I-, I saw that somewhere in a bio. So, OK, what? In your opinion, in, in general, what's the appeal? What's the draw to skateboarding? Why is it such a, I don't want to call it a 
cult. I don't mean it like that, but it's like it's it's got this this appeal to this segment of the culture. Why? That's a deep question. I'll, by the way, Jason Lee is probably a bit more of a deep cut than most people know. Like people may listen to that and go, "I'll be damned." He really was a professional skateboarder and very talented, I might add. Um, okay. Uh, to tie back to live music, um, Matt Hensley, now of Flogging Molly, was also yeah. a professional skateboarder. Okay. Um, but There's also the a, appeal- a guy who's in in the in the motivational space that I think was a skateboarder too, and I can't think of his name. I can see his face, yeah. but I can't think of his name. Okay. Anyway, go on. Um, I think the to me uh, the appeal to me as a kid was the same as like bike riding or what have you. It's freedom. Um, mm-hmm. It's how to get around. Quite frankly, it was also a skateboarder magazine and that image of the California lifestyle and being a Central Valley kid. That was mm-hmm. what I aspired to. Um, and then when I moved to, uh, by the time it went back underground, so I started in the mid 70s on its high rise. And mm-hmm. then by the time 1980 hit, it was punk rock. It was, it was counterculture. It was. Um, all of those things, that's when Thrasher Magazine came about. And I still had a couple of boards that I rode. Um, but I was like, that is when I, what I want to be a part of. And the folks that uh, I, I was hanging with, um, uh, you know, we were listening to the Dead Kennedys. And um, like the first two albums I bought were Iron Maiden and Black Flag Damaged. Um, and shortly thereafter, <laughs> I got my... I got my first real skateboard, so that's ages 10 and 11. Okay. Um, but I think that that still holds true. There's a counterculture element to it. And again, there's no need for a coach. You just go out and do. And mm-hmm. it's a community, right? So you go to a skate park, and generally people are going to be supportive. Older skaters are going to be like, hey, you want to do that to everybody but people who ride scooters. Not that I have a problem with people riding scooters. But they're the people mm-hmm. who are getting um, who are getting the short end of the stick at the skate park right now. Um, but I think that that still appeals to people that community, that ability to express yourself, um, the fact that it's also a mode of transportation. And even though it's in the Olympics now, it's still not you know like the other sport that's near and dear to me. It's not like hockey, where it's very reserved and reticent and all of those things. It's kind of what you want to make of it is skateboarding if you want to go bomb a hill at 100 miles an hour great if you want to go hit the skate park great if you want to take it down to the 7-eleven if those still exist great i did not know that skateboarding was an olympic sport now interesting yeah tokyo really now it has trainers and all of that all the accoutrements that go around it so i had a guest on and a coffee roaster and they only roast decaf. So it's an interesting thing out in Sultan area. And I interesting went over, I actually met, met them in person, went over to their little uh, roasting setup, very small, nothing like what I saw at Starbucks. And his hobby, now this is a guy who's my age, and he works at Microsoft in some managerial capacity. He does longboarding, but there's a, competition in Mary Hill down in Goldendale. Have you heard about this? Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, Mary he, Hill's one of the. It's like Waimea for longboarders. Well, for for downhill longboarders. Yeah, that's his thing. I mean, like he. That's what he does. He that's his that's his relaxation, his fun, and he's got young girls and you know preteen and early teens, and they're doing this, and they're going, they're and they do luge down it too, and they're they're, they're I'm just like. Okay. But he was saying, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour down the hills. But what he told me that I thought was interesting. Have you ever been there to this course that is there? Oh yeah. If you've ever gone okay. to the Golden Dell Observatory or yeah. um or the, the museum, uh, isn't it? Yeah, the Sam Hill uh yeah. uh Stonehenge. It's yeah. right there. It's the it's the loopy road that you take up right. is that they they bomb down. And well, so what he told and, me what he told me, the guy who built that building at, at the top was in the concrete business. And that that road is made out of different types of concrete. They were testing concrete. So it's built differently than most roads are. And that's one of the one of the appeals to it is that it's it's constructed a lot differently than, you know, a, a current highway in Washington State, which, you know, you're taking your life into your hands if you're skateboarding on one of those. So anyway, I, I just yeah, and he's you know he's helmets and leather gear, and you know I'm like, oh my God, you guys are crazy. And you just mentioned bombing down a hill, and that kind of jogged my brain. So, what's your go-to? What do you like to do on a board? Um, a little bit, little bit of the above, except for bombing down hills. And I do want to get the contact info of that guy for both the coffee connection and the skateboarding. Um, okay. But, uh, but for me, um. It's a mode of transportation. Like I'll take my okay. longboard to um, to work, park the car, um, throw on throw on a helmet, and skate the last mile into work, um, mm -hmm. and just as an escape, um, and slal some slalom stuff like that. Um, it's more it's more transportation, okay. um, in with the with regard to the longboard and just kind of an escape. Uh, and then mm -hmm. during lockdown, I bought a couple of quarter pipes for our backyard and started writing transition again on a regular basis, which was really fun at that point. So there's a little bit of that too. Okay. Um, a little bit more careful about uh, what I do at age 53 than I was at age 20. Or so what's 30, the worst? But, what's the worst accident you've ever had? Uh, concussion. I spent Christmas of, uh, here we go. I'm forgetting it because I had a concussion. Because um, um, of concussion. I had, uh, I spent Christmas of 1985 in a hospital because I was coming down a hill toward my house and my dogs ran out and table topped me. Like one hit me right behind the knees and took me down. The next thing I remember, I was knocking on my door and. Ooh went to the hospital, said, Hey, I feel fine. And later that night I was chatting with a guy I was supposed to skate with the next day. It was like one of the only skateboarders in Seattle or in the Auburn area at the time. And uh -huh. I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it. And then I went to the hospital. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. That's, I mean, concussions I mean, are scary. I don't mean to dismiss them, but you know, uh, fractured arms and legs and skulls happen a lot of times too. So, you know, um, yeah. Nothing, nothing that bad. Other than that, it's just been, you know, the occasional 
dislocation or mostly it's just been scrapes, bumps, bruises, no ruptured spleens, which is pretty common with vertical skaters. Oh my God. Now you mentioned your, I can't remember. You have, you have a daughter, but you have more than one kid. Yeah. I have a daughter who's 15 um, and a sophomore in high school. And I have a son who's 22 and a, uh, he's applying for grad school. Okay. Do either of them skate? Jeez. Do either of them skateboard? Uh, no, (laughs) They, they both tried it. I think the very same thing that attracted me to it because um, mm-hmm. we moved everybody back in during lockdown. I was like, mm-hmm. hey, we have these ramps. We have boards. Let's do it. And right, like, right. And they have their own boards and stuff like that. Um, and uh, neither one of them really jumped on it. They'll do it occasionally, but mostly mostly their boards just sit around. Okay. Now, your daughter, you mentioned hockey earlier, which we're going we're gonna to touch on hockey during this conversation too because that's another thing that you're into. How much time do of- we have? Ah, we have unlimited time. You know, it's it's digital tape. We got all the tape in the world. But um, let's wrap up the, the board thing. So, what I want you to tell me is specifically where can people find you online? Where do you want them to go? Instagram is that the best way? Where's the best place to find you if they want to know more about what you're doing, or if they if they have the ability and interest in helping? I think Instagram is probably the easiest because people okay. are on it. Um, and, uh, outside of that, uh, I would say and what's the handle, what, what's the handle on Instagram? It's, uh, S K the number eight S for all. So skates for all. And four spelled out or is it four? A-L-L? Yeah. Four is spelled out. It gets confusing because on the site it's not. Okay. And what's the website address? Uh, the website address is, uh, skateboards, the number four, all.org. Okay. I'll put those on. Let me the make show sure notes. I'm, I'll, I'll double check you folks. Cool. Go, go look at the show notes. Don't, don't trust Daniel. Just go look at the show notes. We'll get you the right ad- address. Yeah, so people can me. find I out more concussion. about Yeah. I had a concussion years ago and anyway. All right. So that's really cool. And I'm glad you're doing that. I I think it's a really cool thing. And uh, it it sparks a couple of ideas in my brain. We will talk about later, but the other thing that, okay, so I know you, you and I know each other because like I said, mutual coffee and music thing. So we've got that. But then I also know, because Jim told me and you, you, you know, I've seen you post about it too. You're into hockey for some reason. And what I'm noticing is this trend you don't like to walk. You want to either skate or roll around on a board. Uh, and I don't know what you got against walking. No, I'm just kidding. But what, what got you into hockey? The concussion? Uh, there's a, no. Um, the, uh, the, there's a connection there as well. The same person who I started skateboarding with and listening to punk rock with mm-hmm. was his, uh, an early transplant, meaning early in his life transplant to Fresno from Minnesota. Okay. So, he both skateboarded. His name was Jason Vertz. Um, lost contact with him years ago, but he played ice hockey um, and kind of taught me the rudiments of it. And, you know, we skateboarded all the time together. Okay. Um, and so I got into it because of that and then moved up here. My dad was running his own business and 
It's like, I don't have the ability to drive you across borders and around the tri-state area to play hockey. I said, okay, wrestling and skateboarding it is. And there a decision was made. Then my daughter started playing. I started volunteering uh, for the organization. And then uh, I got tired of driving to rinks and not having the ability to play. And walking, you know, walking, maybe it's, (laughs) you know, the Southern Californian in me, you know, you know, nobody walks anywhere. (laughs) Nobody walks in LA. Um, Exactly. Okay. So your daughter's playing hockey and you mentioned the organization. What organization is, is her team involved with? Uh, Her team, uh, she plays and I coach for and served on the board of uh, Western Washington Wild is the name Mm -hmm. of the teams, Uh, but it's uh, the Washington Wild. Um, but it's Western Washington Female Hockey Association. And there seems to be, well, okay, the Kraken brought, yes, Seattle's had the Thunderbirds, and, and we've got, you know, there's a lot, there's been a lot of junior hockey in the region for a long, long, long time. But when the Kraken, you know, came to town and, and up to all the buzz, they, they did a really good job, in my opinion, of creating buzz uh, for a, a quote unquote new sport. And they, they did, a, I think they did an excellent job um, introducing the sport into the consciousness of the community that, and they went and put, was it three rinks up the, the old Northgate mall area they've got now that yep. skating. Yeah. Okay. So they've, they've invested in some infrastructure. Can, you know, hockey rinks are not cheap. They take maintenance, all of these things. But I've, what I've been aware of, more is that there's more to I know I'm wrong but this is how I feel there's more women playing hockey amateur than there are men right now it's like women's hockey has become a thing you're not and wrong is it that is that pent-up aggression they want to I mean I don't know I'm kidding but it's like what is why do you think your daughter was attracted to hockey um so birthday is July 27th you know, not that I need you to remember it, but so oftentimes that's one of the hotter days of the year. And so yeah. as little kids, we'd go ice skating. I'd go, you know, I'd be shorts and a t-shirt and I'd go up to the old, uh, unfortunately now gone Highland Ice Arena. Um, yeah. And we'd skate around and she really liked ice skating, uh, took lessons. And then one day we were skating around Highland and she saw the flyer for Western Washington Female Hockey Organization or WUFA as we call it. And um, she said, I think I could do that. My wife and I took her to the Try Hockey for Free Day, which every organization has. Um, Mm -hmm. Ran into somebody from Starbucks, so there was another connection. And she came off the ice with an ear-to-ear grin. This is at age six. Oh, wow. Okay. um, and I looked at my wife and said, we've just became hockey parents. Let me kind of tell you what that's about. <laughs> and, um, and, we're broke. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be broke. At least we're not goalie parents. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. That's a, yeah. Okay. That's, that's a whole different story. But uh, you're not wrong. The fastest growing segment in USA hockey, and I believe in Hockey Canada, but uh, specifically within USA hockey, is female hockey participation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's huge. It's blown up over the last few years. Um, and, uh, it's, there's a camaraderie and a teamwork to it. And I much prefer the women's game to the men's game. Cause it's just a different vibe. 
Um, mm-hmm. So coaching these young women and young non-binary players uh, has been uh, really eye-opening because it's made me fall in love with the sport that I fell out of love because of all the kind of jocularity, not jocularity, jockishness that you mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. in a lot of team sports like that. Okay. That's pretty cool. And, and you know, and then so does your daughter, is she playing at the whatever the, I don't know what the name of the facility is up there, the old Northgate area. Is that where she, this is taking place mostly? Is that yeah, home ice? Yeah, that is home ice for us. We're the last uh, Washington Wild team to be practicing out of there to be titled the Wild. Um, mm-hmm. Last year, uh, as you alluded to, um, there's not a lot of ice rinks around here. And so as the Kraken, the junior Kraken grows their program, a lot of people lost ice time. Um, and so we banded together with uh, Seattle Junior Hockey Association and created a team, a set of teams called the Seattle Red Hawks, which is an amalgamation or, or a merger of Western Washington female hockey and uh, Seattle juniors. But yeah, that's our home ice. So we okay. get to practice on the same ice as the Kraken do sometimes. Uh, we get to meet players that come through there. They've given the the girls sticks and stuff like that. And well, that's cool. Last weekend, even Jack Whitehall and Michael Bublé were there shooting a movie. Really? Yeah, Amazon saving costs probably because they're like, "Well, we own the rink. We're producing the show. We got the talent already. Let's just use our space." No, I'm being facetious, but they you're probably not wrong though. You know, you're probably not. I mean, seriously, that's going to be, they look, it's a business. And if we can save 15% by using our own facility, let's save 15%. I mean, exactly. you would do it. If, and who doesn't and I would want to do be it, in a movie? Know. Right. Exactly. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hockey is, uh, have you, I have not been to a cracking game yet. Have you, have you been? Oh yeah. I have, uh, I was, I think number 847 in season tickets when they so, did like 32,000 within an hour. <laughs> I was, what I am I missing? I'm like, I gotta go. Yeah. What am I missing? Uh, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been to silver tips? The Wenatchee uh, the, wild now. Wenatchee wild. Neighborhood? Yep. Wenatchee <clears throat> wild. I've been to one Wenatchee wild, uh, experience and it was it was before the it was last year so they weren't in the whl at that time they were in the they were the only american team in in a in a junior canadian league so yeah they moved yeah, I think up it was if the you BCHL, will BCHL, like BCHL, the bc yes, hockey exactly. league. right and um, now they're in the whl and doing quite well by the way to, to rub it in yeah <laughs> yeah it's great um they uh yeah well seattle won last year but they are in a world of hurt this year and really they're not seattle they're kent um they're kent. but i digress um the uh if you've ever been to a game i think what you're missing is the in junior hockey you have kids 16 they're like my daughter's age 16 to 20 mm-hmm. and the precision isn't there. The size and speed isn't there. There's a lot of impressive stuff happening on the ice, and I love junior hockey for that. But with the NHL and uh, the PWHL for the for the Women's Hockey League, which doesn't have a team in Seattle yet, um, but I have another friend who's working on that diligently. So if you want okay. her information, I'll throw it out there. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it's the speed and finesse um, 
of the game. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, for the Seattle Kraken, um, it is the environment that they play in. Climate Pledge Arena is mm-hmm. has a great environment to watch hockey in. Players, right. coaches, um, folks have uh, have come around over the course of the years, and that they've been in the few years they've been in existence, and said the same thing. It's just it's it's a great place to go. And then, luckily, luckily enough, we got the uh, the Winter Classic this past year too, which was right. pretty impressive Did on you, its own scale. Were, were you able to attend that? I was only because I volunteered for it. Okay, so. I'm going to call it Safeco because it's 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 always going to be Safeco to me. I saw Tom Petty there, and I love Safeco for baseball as a concert venue. I was it was not not I, I can pass. How was it for hockey? Um, from the dugout when we were rehearsing, we we were a group of people. They reached out to all crack uh, and hockey league and others and said, "Hey." can you go impersonate the teams? And so we did the walkouts onto the stage and right. side note, we got, we got to see uh, a brilliant kid whose name escapes me right now, play the national anthem a la Jimi Hendrix, just blew okay. my mind, 14 years old. Uh, okay. And Sir Mix-a-Lot perform out there. But from, when I think of hockey, I think of Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, and heart, we got to see heart too. Okay. Um, All right. So it was pretty impressive, but the as a hockey venue, if you're sitting up higher, I think it was, uh, from my understanding, from my friends and things like that, it was a better experience mm-hmm. because we volunteered. We got tickets right down on the field, so you could see the heads of the people above the boards, right. and we were mostly right. watching TV with you know forty thousand of our closest friends. Um, yeah. But as a venue, I think up above, it looked really good, especially like if you were sitting in the kind of horseshoe behind home plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were sitting down just past the dugouts on the third base side. And it was cool experience. Got to see Wayne Gretzky right. like four feet from me. Um, yeah. Got to see, take pictures and shake hands with some of the broadcasters. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd say get a seat higher up. Don't That's yeah. for the closed seats. Yeah, so you can you can watch everything unfold. All right, okay. So we're gonna wrap this up. I got a couple of questions I, I always ask my guests. So let's we're gonna do this. So to kind of recap, Daniel, you work for a small coffee company. No one's ever heard of. Yep. You have a skateboard nonprofit. You coach youth hockey. You're a music fan. But what do you do in your spare time? What do you guys like to do? What do you and your wife like to do? What do you guys do when you're not? And oh, and you read a lot because that was the precursor to the the, the nonprofit. So what what do you like to do for fun? Um, hike, get outdoors. Okay. Um, living in Seattle, like if we want a quick hike, we just head over to Discovery Park and go wandering around down there because it's a gym that people forget about um, mm-hmm. during the summers. Uh, get out near North Bend because it's also fairly close by a ferry ride is all always good. As my wife says, you can just see anytime you get on the water, you can see your blood pressure lower. Um, She's not so, wrong. No. Cause it's elevated. Cause you waited three hours in line for the ferry. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, totally. Um, stand up paddle boarding. 
Uh, mm, awesome. uh, I have a one wheel that I tool around on some because it's a pretty cool little invention that feels like mm-hmm. snowboarding on concrete. Once again, not a lot of walking here. Just pointing that out. No, no, no. Yeah, walking is boring. Um, uh, and then, you know, cycling. So, again, right. no walking. Actually, right. hiking, hiking is a lot of walking. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I was kidding. All right, so question I always ask. So I'm going to get to S- Seattle area around lunchtime, and I need to grab food. Give me a couple of ideas of great places I should go check out for lunch in the in the Seattle. You know, down at Soto, maybe. Or, you know, wh- where's a good place that I I need to try? Um, what are you looking for? I don't. You don't. No, nope. I'm looking for your recommendation. What do you What are you recommending? Yeah. I'm right. easy to please. You're uh, not going to say anything. I'm probably going to go too. I think uh, underrated uh, is probably marination. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. The uh, the Hawaiian started out as a Hawaiian food truck, and they now have locations. You've mentioned Slim's Last Chance, which yep. atmosphere and the food kind of match up. Um, hmm. Chinese food. I'd say uh, Judy Foo's up here in the North Seattle area um, is kind of an okay. institution, though it's okay. only dine out, no more dine in. Um, oh, what am I thinking of? There's got to be another one. Well, what's down by the? Uh, what's down in Soto? What's what? What? Let's 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 narrow it a little bit. What, what's going on in Soto these days? Not a lot. Um, Fussy Clo well, just opened up, which is. Which is good pho and banh mi. That was there when uh, I worked there. Did, were, yeah. And then they, st- they closed up during lockdown and then they Okay, reopened. so they've opened back up. Okay. Yeah, I used to yeah. go there. That was a great place. Okay. All right. Pecos Pit is an institution. Um, it's, it's a still government there. institution, but it's an yeah, institution. It's, still there. it's an institution. Yeah. It is. Um, okay. Uh, there's a place, another Vietnamese place uh, right up across from... Uh, T-Mobile Park slash Safeco that uh, it's called Venison. Venison, And it's okay. V-I-N-I-S-O-N. Mm-hmm. And they, they do a pretty good job, too. They don't have to in that location, but I was pretty impressed with them. Okay. Um, and then kind of a, a go-to up north uh, in the Edmonds area is the Rusty Pelican. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. All right, my last question for you. You ready? This is a very important question. Every guest has to answer it in its complete entirety. Cake or pie and why? Pie, if cobbler is included, um, because it's kind of pie deconstructed. um, And why? Although I like both, um, pie have a grandma, you know, my whole family, aside from my sister and I and our cousins was born in Mississippi for, or Louisiana for hundreds of years prior to our generation. And so there's that, um, there's that, uh, nostalgia for, uh, eating cobbler and pie at my grandma's house. And in my opinion, there's nothing better than like a berry pie, like mm-hmm. blackberry, marionberry, warm, but not too hot out of the oven with a scoop of vanilla ice cream on it. Cake, it gets soggy. There's too much. 
there's you know it's too much sugar like for whatever reason the tartness of the berries and the crust mm-hmm. and the and the uh and the vanilla ice cream is just chef's kiss for me okay i lied i have one last question but it's a question to you to answer and the question is what didn't i ask you that i should have brought up during our conversation today um i don't think much i would say uh if you want another interview uh women's pro hockey seattle zoe harris uh she's good friend super low-key um she coached in the american college hockey association and there's an award named after her for the best player every year Mm -hmm. she and her partner cindy daly started woofa and mm-hmm. she's now working on getting a women's pro hockey team here in Seattle. Okay. Um, John Barr, uh, who's been featured on a number of things, started NHL to Seattle. And he got the crack in here. He worked on it for eight years, eight, nine years before it happened. Another right. friend. Um, and then, uh, why am I spacing his name? The guy who runs PMA Magazine. Um, I can find his name for you. He's, uh, he does a lot of good stuff here and he was another one of those folks that I consulted with when I started the, um, the skateboard charity. Okay. And I, and I didn't mention, uh, Andrew Montoya of thrift skate Washington. Okay. Which is a shop Evo Seattle and altogether skate park. Mm-hmm. For giving me thirty percent discounts on gear, and Marshall, uh, the biggest benefactor for us has been Marshall Reed, who runs uh, All Together Skate Park, and his uh, handle on Instagram is Marshall Stacks Reed, uh, and uh, he's he's uh, he helped out skate skates like a girl, or skate like a girl, and then uh, when they were up and running, he was like, hey, I needed a new a new person to work with on this charity. So here you're a great person to do that. So he's been from day one, he's been from the drop, a, uh, a huge supporter of me and I didn't mention him. Okay. Well, now you did. Well, Daniel, thank you. This has been fun for me. I think what you're doing is really, really cool. And I, I hope that in a small way we can help spread the word a little bit more for you and hopefully people will, check it out and find ways that they can be a part of it and contribute and help and uh, just keep doing it, man. That's, we need more people that are doing cool things around, uh, around Washington. There's, there's plenty of a need for it. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at explore state. I'd love to hear your comments. You can also visit our website at explorewashingtonstate.com. If you know anyone who would like the show, It'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. Glad you were here with me today, and I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.